are glad that you joined us today. God wants to do so much for you and through you, and we want to hear about it. If you've been impacted by Fuel Church, share your story with us by emailing mystory at thefuelchurch.com. And to learn more about our worship experiences, visit our website at www.thefuelchurch.com. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you enjoyed today's message. I just got some really good news to share with you today. And that's what I came with. Because we hear so much negative, bad news in our society. And there's a whole lot of churches where you hear a lot of bad news. Just to be honest with you. And I don't know how you grew up, what your church background was growing up. And maybe you were in one of those churches where it was just like, you know, you, you came in one way and you left feeling worse than the way you came in. Uh, you just got beat up. And uh, this isn't one of those churches. I just want to let you know. This is a church that is anchored in good news. Because the gospel, the Bible that we talk about every single week, the Jesus that we talk about is all wrapped around good news. And, and, and that's what I want to give you today. The message of the gospel is this. It's about the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ through which a person is saved from death to life, from darkness to light, from sinful to forgiven. The gospel restores our broken relationship with God. The gospel gives us hope for eternity. And that, my friend, is some good news. Like, he ain't in that tomb. Jesus crushed YOLO. Come on. You only live once. He said, JK, BRB. Be right back. <laughs> My kids told me to say that. So, <laughs> Someone's like, what's that? Just ask a millennial or a Y generation. They'll tell you. The gospel is a message of salvation. It's not about behavior modification, but it's about heart transformation. God has always and always will want our hearts because if he gets our hearts, then he can get our behavior. And, and so today, I want to talk to you about the central theme of the Bible, about this good news, about the person and the work of Jesus Christ. And Paul writes to the church here in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and this is really the clearest summary of the gospel that we find. And he says this, that the man Jesus is also God in Christ and died on the cross in our place. Paying the penalty. Someone say paying the penalty. Paying the penalty for our sins. Three days later. Three days later. He rose to conquer. He rose to conquer sin and death. To give us the gift of salvation. To all who believe in him alone. For eternal life. Now, if we were to narrow down this narrative, if we were to narrow down this book, the Bible, if we were to narrow down this Jesus into one word, here's what it would be, love. Love. Because the cross equals love. And that's what I want to talk to you about today. The cross equals love. You are loved by God. You are He calls you his child. You have a heavenly father who 
loves you. Actually, he's madly in love with you. He's not mad at you. He's madly in love with you. And I, I don't know what your definition you formed in your mind of, of what a father figure is. And maybe you didn't have a good example growing up. And maybe that love wasn't shown, but you have a heavenly father who is madly in love with you. Hmm? He's in love with you. So what's love got to do with it, Tina? Everything. Hit your neighbor and say everything. Come on, I'm an audience participation preacher. That means you ain't going to fall asleep on me. You ain't falling asleep in that music. That bass was pumping your heart. (laughs) What's love got to do with it? Everything. Everything. Because here's the reality. Everyone in here is looking for love. Some are just looking for love in all the wrong places. I mean, in my second life, I think I'm going to be an artist or something. Singer, rapper, I don't know. But I'll stick to preaching for today. So the quest is all around us every day for love. We hear it in our music. We see it in movies, right? We read it in the books. The desire is woven into the fabric of our being. From the moment we come out of the womb, we have been looking for love. From someone feeding us and caressing us to hugging us to someone caring for us and to someone cleaning up our messes and telling us we matter, we all desire to be loved. We all desire to be loved. And just as we are on a quest for love, there is an answer to this quest called love. With seven billion people in the world who are desperate for love, there is a God with limitless resources who wants to love them. I love this quote that I heard this week. It says this, God loves each of us as if there were only one of us. God loves each of us as if there were only one of us. So let's define this love we're talking about today. The Bible says God is love. It doesn't say God has love. It says God is love. Love is his nature. He is the personification of love. The genesis, the start of love is with God. Starts with God. God created the entire universe and he created you and I because he loves us. He loves us. God created you as the object of his love. All things he created. All things he created. And we were the only ones that he created in his very own image. Think about that. Out of all things he created, we were the only ones he created In his image. Day one, he creates the heavens and the earth. Day two, he creates the sky. Day three, the water and the seas and plant life. Day four, the stars and the light. Day five, all living creatures in the water. And on day five, he created mosquitoes. I got a question when I get to heaven. Why mosquitoes? Does anybody else want to know why? But then on day six, something very unique happened. He created two things on day six. He created animals and he created you and I. 
I didn't mean to call your husband an animal, but anyway. But I thought about that. He created animals because he knew we needed animals. And all the hunters said, (laughs) he knew you needed Fufu the dog to love on and your cat. Praise God. Let's pray for all the cat lovers. There's a special place for you. We love you. We're just joking. But if you got an email, send it to Joel at thefuelchurch.com. He loves to hear all your encouraging words. He made you on that sixth day so he could love you. So he could love you. We, we can't provoke. We can't trick. We can't convince. We can't earn or win God's love. God doesn't love us for what we do right or what we do wrong, but because of who we are, we're his kids. How many parents do I have in here? How many parents do I have in here? I know there are some days, some days are an exception where you want to send your child into eternity. Like, I love you, but I'm sending you to heaven early if you don't stop. That's an exception. But on most days, you would do anything for your child. You would do anything. You, you would stand up for your child. If they were being bullied, you, you will march yourself into the principal's office, mama, and you will tell that principal what's up. And you will say some choice words because it's your son. <laughs> and you will fight the coach of the baseball team who says your son has no ability to play baseball. Your son strikes out every time, but you will fight for your son and you will tell him he is the best baseball player since Babe Ruth because he's your son. He's your son. And I'm here to tell you today, you have a heavenly father who will fight for you. Even when you strike out in life, he is there for you, never to leave you nor forsake you. Have you struck out lately? Have you struck out lately? Have you felt like you missed it lately? He'll fight for you. He says you're worth the fight. Why? Because the cross equals love. Two iconic symbols in society that have lasted through generations. The cross and the heart. The cross and the heart. The cross, for most people, it's a sign of death. It's a sign of death. It's a sign that, that, that somebody died for me and somebody loved me so much that they were crucified upon that cross for me the cross equals love the good news today is this did you come for good news I got a lot of it the good news is this that God loves you on your bad days just as much as he loves you on your good days he loves you when you feel his love and he loves you when you can't seem to feel it He loves you whether you think you deserve his love or not. There is nothing you will ever do that will make God love you more than he does right now. And there is nothing that you will ever do that will make God love you less than he does right now. He's in love with you. I want you to hit your neighbor and say he loves you. God never made a person that he didn't love. He made you and he loves you. God doesn't make junk. He loves you unconditionally. Now we're familiar with man's love, which is based on conditions. If you do this, then I love you. 
If you say this, then I love you. But God's love is totally different. It's unconditional. He puts no conditions on it. He says, come as you are. You're my child and I love you. So no matter what you do, God cannot stop loving you. You could leave this place today and say, hey, it was cool. I like the light show. I like the smoke. Next week, I want to get into the smoking section in the back. But I just don't know about this God who supposedly loves me. How could he love me? How, how could he desire me? My life is a mess. I've made too many wrong choices. I've, I've gotten myself in so much trouble. How could God love me? And we find in the Bible, there's a man named David who actually was called a man after God's own heart, even though he messed up time and time again. And he actually wrote uh, most of the book of Psalms we see. And David was at a low point in his life. And he said, God, I don't understand this love. Your love is crazy. It comes and finds me when I'm lost. It comes and hunts me down when I try to run from it. And if I make my bed next to hell, your love is there for me. That's the extravagant love of our God. That's the reckless love of God that he hunts us down, that he comes to us in the middle of chaos and confusion, that he finds us in the brokenness of our lives, that he is not intimidated by our brokenness. He is not scared of our sin, but he is there. He is the remedy for our brokenness. He is the remedy for the disease of sin that we all have carried. The cross equals love. God sees the best in the worst of us. He knows the worst about the best of us and loves us all without conditions or expectation. I love that about God. He sees me in my mess, in my weaknesses, yet he loves me. I understand what somebody's saying right now. This all sounds great, preacher. Good Easter message. But I just have trouble thinking that God really loves me. And I just want to give you a few points and I'll be out of your way. The band will come and keyboard player will play something real spiritual. Make me sound real good here in a moment. I just want to give you three thoughts about how God thinks about you. Three thoughts. Number one. Number one, here's how you can know God loves you. God thinks about me. I want you to say this with me. God, one more time, God thinks about me. How do you know that God loves you? God thinks about, you're on his mind. Come on, Willie. You're always on my mind. Yeah, I throw out for the country people, the hip hop people, the love song people, the rock and roll people. Come on now, little GNR, come on. We cover all. We cover all types of music here. You're always on his mind. Seven billion people in the universe and the earth, but you are on his mind. You're on his mind. How do we know that? Well, there's several scriptures in the Bible that tell us we're on God's mind. Here's just a few of them. One of them says, you're so much on God's mind that he counts the number of hairs on your head. And you, my sir, it doesn't take him long to count some of yours or none of yours, but you still count. You like that? 
You still count, even though God doesn't count. Anyway, I thought it was funny, first service. A little rougher crowd, second. Let's see how the 1245 is. He counts the number of hairs on your head. He's concerned about you. Whatever concerns you concerns God. Why? Because he's your father. You need to see him as your father. That's the problem. Your perspective, you're you're jaded because of your natural father relationship. It didn't work out. And I'm sorry, it didn't work out. But you got to change your perspective on this. Because your heavenly father says, I care about you. I love the scripture. It says, God tattooed each of our names in the palm of his hands. Someone say, does the Bible, do we believe in tattoos? Yep, sure do. About to have a tattoo team here in a minute. We're going to mark you up. Monday markups. Come on out on Monday to get your tat. Read the Bible. The Bible's a crazy book. You should read it. It'll blow your mind. It'll change your life. It says that God has your name tattooed in his palm of his hand. Why in the hands? Why in the hand? Well, the hands are, are used to, to love your children, to embrace your children. Your hands are a very important part of raising your kids. The hands bring correction and direction. The hands will love when the child falls down and skins up his knee on, on gravel. The, the hands will embrace. And God said, I, I want you to know that I love you and I want to be reminded. God said, you got to remind me. You think you got to remind God of your name? I don't think you do. But he said, I'm going to ink it right in the palm of my hand. That's what I'm going to do. Then he told Jeremiah this, 29, Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the plans that I have for you, Jeremiah. They're plans to bless you, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, but plans to give you a hope and a future. God wants you blessed. He wants you to prosper. He's not this God that some have portrayed standing up in heaven, looking over the balcony of heaven down on you on earth and saying, man, I'm just waiting. I'm waiting for Jason to mess up so I can clob him with this Louisville slugger. But that's the kind of God some of you grew up learning. That's the kind of church you came from where God was always mad at you. Oh, he's not mad at you. He's madly in love with you. You, you, you need to get this right. This, the cross equals love. It equals love. You are completely accepted by God. You are unconditionally loved by God. You you are totally forgiven by God. If you've confessed your sins, God does not rehearse your sins. He releases them. It is man that rehearses sins. God said, actually, I take your sins. When you repent of your sins and surrender to me, I take them and I throw them in a sea of forgetfulness. I don't even remember you did it. I don't even remember it happened. Why? Because of the cross. Because of the blood that was shed. It is only man that gets fishing poles out and goes to the sea and tries to pull up our past sins and remember them and rehearse them in our lives. God forgets them. Man goes fishing. Put the fishing pole down. You are not your husband's or your family member's Holy Spirit. Release them from the past. It's over. Move on. That was for somebody moving right along. So number one, God thinks about you. Number two, God identifies with my pain. How do you know that God loves you? Because God 
identifies with your pain. Pain is real. And if I were to take the microphone and hand it to everybody in here and say, tell me about the pain in your life, we would have some crazy stories. Actually, we would hear stories that would say, how are you even sitting here today? There's no way you should be sitting here due to all the pain that you went through growing up as a child, due to all the pain you went through in that broken marriage, that broken relationship. You should not be sitting here in your right mind. God identifies with our pain. It's easy to feel alone when we have pain, but we must realize we are never alone. We're never out of God's sight. He said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. This self-existing God needs no one. Listen to this. He needs no one. Yet he has chosen to be so emotionally identified with our pain, with our ups and our downs, with our dreams and our hopes. He's involved in the pain of our lives. God may not always deliver you from the pain, but he will always deliver you through it. And let me tell somebody today, your pain has purpose. Your pain has purpose. Actually, your pain is causing you to grow. You just can't see it right now. Actually, your pain is going to help somebody else out in the future. You just can't see it right now. It is through pain that we grow. It is through pain that we see a different side of our Savior. Paul said it like this, when I am weak, when I'm in pain, God, you strengthen me with a supernatural strength that I cannot produce on my own. You get stronger through pain. It is only through pain that the muscle can grow. It is only through the muscle breaking down and tearing that the muscle can get bigger. It is only through pain that you can grow spiritually. It is only through pain that you can be more mature as a Christ follower. We don't like pain, but it's a part of life. And God identifies with our pain. I'm here to tell you today, God doesn't waste pain. He doesn't waste pain. He'll use it for his glory and his honor if you press through the pain. If you press through the pain. Who am I talking to today? Maybe a broken marriage. Maybe a fractured relationship with a family member. Got some pain. Maybe there's mental torment in your mind. Maybe there's deep hurts caused by someone you love. Maybe someone's dealing with a physical pain, a disease, a sickness. I don't know what your pain is. Financial ruins, it could be. But, but Jesus can identify. In Hebrews it says he was tempted in all points as we were, we will be, yet without sin. And it says this, that, that, that he did not sin, but he was touched with the feelings of our pain. I love that. He was touched with the feelings of our pain. God identifies with your pain. He identifies with it. Your pain can do one of two things. It can draw you closer to God or further from him. It can cause you to bow a knee and surrender or it can cause you to point a finger in bitterness. That's your choice. But God is there in the pain. And the third thing as we wrap up today, 
How you can know God loves you is this. God took action on your behalf. Come on, let's say this together. God took action on my behalf. One more time. God took action on my behalf. It's easy to feel unloved because of our failures and our sin. I love what 1 John 4, 9 and 10 says. That God showed us how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. The cross equals love. Jesus didn't die for religion. He died for people. I'm going to say that again. Jesus didn't die for religion. He died for people. He died for you. And the best way for me to explain this kind of love is through a story that I'm going to tell you. I'm going to place myself in the story. But when you hear my name in the story, you could easily insert your name in the story. The story goes like this. There was a legal transaction that took place upon that cross. There was a legal transaction. Somebody had to die in order for sins to be forgiven. And so the story goes like this, that Satan is the lawyer and God is the judge. And there I stand, Jacob, Paul, Burgi, in the courtroom. Stand in the courtroom and Satan says, this man is guilty of sins, many sins from many years. He's guilty, your honor. I have the video evidence. I have the eyewitnesses. They're here to testify that Jacob is guilty. And because he is guilty, he must pay for his sins. God the Father looks at Satan. Satan says he needs to die because he has sinned. And the wages for his sin, your honor, is death. Listen, the wages for his sin, your honor, is death. As God the Father is about to slam the gavel down, a voice speaks up from the back of the courtroom. And Jesus says, your honor, may I approach the bench? May I approach the bench because, your honor, I was in all points tempted as he was. The devil pipes up, Satan, and says, nevertheless, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. God begins to speak, and he says, this is my word. I cannot break it. Somebody must pay for Jacob's sins. He must confess it. He must pay for those sins. Jesus begins to speak, and he says, your honor, may I offer an exchange. May I offer an exchange? 
The father says he must own his sins, though, and he must confess it. Jesus says, you're right. So the father takes out the death warrant. Brings out the death warrant and he gives it to me. And Jesus tells me. He tells me, Jacob, sign your death warrant. Sign your death warrant. And he says, now endorse it over to me. And were I, Jacob, sign my name in shame. Jesus signed his name in blood. As the death warrant is handed to God the Father, the judge, they begin to take Jesus out to pay the penalty for that sin that Jacob committed. As they take him out, he looks over at me and he says, Jacob, you take my life and I'll take your death. You take my life and I'll take your death. But Jacob, I need you to do one thing. I need you to do one thing. I need you to tell people what I did for them on that cross. So in your community, at your job, wherever you go, I need you to tell people that the cross equals love. I need you to spread this good news that they could be free. You see, Jesus didn't die just for you. He died as you. He died as you. It should have been me on that cross. It should have been you. But Jesus signed his name in blood and died as you. He died for you so you could live for him. He died for you so you could live for him. Come on, let's rejoice. Stand with me. Hey, thanks for listening today. And maybe you're out there and maybe you feel far from God today. Maybe life has thrown you a curveball, you've taken some wrong turns, you've messed up. I'm here to tell you about God's love for your life. You know, it's real and it's for you. And and no matter what you've done, no matter where you've gone, God is there. His love is unconditional. And, And the Bible says that if you just confess with your mouth, believe in your heart, you're saved. And I'm going to lead you through a prayer. And I just believe that if you say this prayer, mean it with your heart, the Bible says you're saved. And I want to encourage you to tell somebody about this decision. But just wherever you're at, just say, God, I ask you to forgive me of my sins. Come into my life. Change me. In Jesus' name. It's simple as that. And I encourage you, find a good local church. If if you can get to Fuel Church, get here. God is moving. God is doing some great things the lives and families of the people that come here, but find a good church where you can grow in God. Until next time, God bless you. Have a great week.